Hello and welcome to the Gatewatchcast. I am your host, Norman Sanzo, and joining me today is Wilson. Hey, what's up? So, last week we mentioned about keeping cards in hand. So, well, the topic for today is, well... How to, to mulligan. Yeah, how to move. So, mulligan is the act of replacing cards you do not want for cards you want by shuffling them into a deck and drawing a new set. I don't think that's the definition. I think it's shuffling your entire hand back into the deck and then drawing a new hand. Well, it depends on which mulligan style you do because uh, as of co- as commanders, uh, there were three, partial, Paris, and London. Yes, but uh, most people either use partial or London nowadays. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll just give you a brief explanation on what partial is. So partial mulligan is where you draw seven, you pick the cards that you do not want, put them into the bottom of the deck, and yes. draw a new set of cards. So example, if you put in three, uh, cards. three cards, you draw three cards back. Yes, however, it's the same as any mulligan. If you, let's say, do not still do not like the cards, you put in two for the second time, you can only draw one. So each time you have, uh, the first one is always free, as usual. The second one, you need to go down by one and uh, additional one each time you mulligan. Mm-hmm. And as for London, the one that is currently being used now, the way that it does is you take a look at seven. If you do not like your seven, you have to put in your full hand, shuffle the deck, and yes. then draw another seven. But if you do not like that, do it again, draw seven, and then put one down to the bottom of your library. For each time you have mulligan. Mm-hmm. Well, well, for for commander, of course, we have the rule where the first mulligans are always free. So yeah, um, if it's a normal game, if it's the fr- if you mulligan one time, that means you have to put one, one to the bottom. If you mulligan twice, then two. But in, let's say, commander, you mulligan once, you don't need to mulligan twice, only one. And so on, so on, so on. Yes. So, why are we talking about this one again? Because, well, keeping the starting hand of any deck is important. Like, yes. It's like, if, depending on the deck, like, you have, what, um, mana crib and so on. If, like, what, what do you have in your hand? Uh, personally, for me, I would like to have, my starting hand would be three lands and... Uh, some rocks and so on. Anything that's easily castable or allows me to draw early game. Yep. And for me, I think it's usually four lands and maybe three stuff that allows me to accelerate my lands. So maybe ramp spells, not really rocks. I don't like rocks because they can be easily destroyed. But um, I would also either keep a one land hand if there's a soul ring and two mana rocks, maybe. It depends. Like yeah, it depends on. The deck style, the gameplay. I mean, if you are risking your entire game on a one turn one soul ring into a signet, then if you don't draw your second land or a draw engine or whatever it is, you're kind of going to be stuck. Yeah, stuck, and you're not going to have fun. Mm, that's true. That's so, true. So personally, it depends on the player and the deck style. And I do notice that a lot of CEDH players, they keep some risky hands. Well, they have to. Because I think in CDH, it's either you risk it all, mm-hmm. or you uh, you die hard. 
Hmm. But, in CEDH, there are a lot of free spells, a lot of cheat spells, so really you don't really need to keep a hand that has that much lands, usually just one or two, maybe even a fetch land. They have ways to recur lands back, like, in CEDH, there's, there's a very, very prominent a land commander, Gitchunk Monster, mm-hmm. prop, and there are a lot of other ways to play free spells, like Invigorate, mm-hmm. maybe, or maybe even, what, what's that name? Foil? Force of Will, maybe Mana Crypt. Yeah, I've seen people try to... Uh, I've seen people keep one land hands in CEDH, get, uh, but just to get screwed by a guy who can turn one Trinity Spear. Uh, yeah, I mean, so those are kind of the recent rewards that you have. But okay, listen, so let's go for what we have here. Like, uh, yes. Last week we were talking about your... Motani deck. So let's use that as an example for this one. Okay. So you draw seven. What was your ideal hand that you want? Or should we get your deck to do it, for example? Sure. Uh, give me a second. Welcome back. So we pull out some cards in our decks just to simulate what we really want. And Wilson, why don't you go first? Like, what is your turn one perfect cards or perfect draw? If you want it to be really perfect, mm-hmm. my first, my turn one... Uh, my, my my starting hand will consist of a myriad landscape, a soul ring, two two forests, a rites of flourishing, and a sky shot thing, and one more rampant growth. That is my perfect seven, because usually I would play turn one myriad landscape into a soul ring, and then and then turn two soul ring to cycle a myriad landscape. And then I'll turn three Mutani. But wouldn't your mirror landscape come in tap? Yes. So I go turn one mirror landscape, turn two forest, uh, and into soaring, oh. tapping the soaring for mirror landscape to serve for two more lands. Uh, so I have four mana on turn, five mana on turn two. So but they're that, all that's, that's very interesting because if it were me, I would play forest into soaring on turn one. So that way I would kind of have uh, a what? Four drop on the second turn, but yours is logical because it won't be the trap on the board like the turn one soul ring uh, means. Yes, but I set this up in a way so that I could turn three uh, Mutani. Ah, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, so I would usually have five power on board in that case because I have to have one, two, three, four lands, and then five, the fifth one would be mirror landscape in the graveyard. That's ah. my perfect hand. Uh, because I can keep ramping uh, with Skyshot Plane, Rampant Growth, and I can keep uh, drawing cards with Rights of Flourishing. Okay. So that's my perfect hand for me. What about you, Norman? So, uh, I, I'm not I'm nothing that fancy, so my uh, quote-unquote perfect scenario would be something of, well, uh, turn zero, Leyline of Anticipation. So just well, play this. who's your commander? Ah, for this deck, my commander would be Nekusar. Ah, Nekusar, the Mind Razor. Yep. Uh, Nekusar is a fun deck. Like, the idea for him is to let everyone draw. Mm, fun is subjective. Fun. <laughs> like, what, what is the best thing about magic? It's drawing cards. Extra turns. It's drawing cards, actually. But, <laughs> but uh, Neku, what Nekusar does is, it allows everybody on their draw step to draw another extra card. But with the caveat of whenever an opponent draws a card, they have to uh, take one damage. Well, that's no fun. I mean, one one life <laughs> for one card, I say it's a good trade. 
Hmm, that's a good trait. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but um, the way you play with Nekusar, that's something else. I mean, um, we'll see how we do next week, I think. But anyway, um, uh, my first week scenario would be a ley line of dissipation, uh, three lands, doesn't matter what kind of lands, and then uh, a soul ring, a fellow stone, and in this scenario, one random card, and uh, one random card would be a Ragnar's Charm. Mm. So, uh, if you don't count the random card, it could be anything, but in this scenario, this would be kind of perfect in this uh, game. So, the idea would be to turn zero, lay line, uh, play a island or a watery grave. Mm -hmm. You have to pay two to come in untapped, uh, cast for the soul ring, and then the fellow stone. So, you already are at four CMCs. Now, when it comes back to you, you play another land, and you stand by the Ragdos charm to destroy one of the artifacts on board. Usually it would be a soul ring or a uh, one of the rocks. Usually it would be that. True, true. So uh, this is one of the perfect scenarios. But uh, if I do not have that, like one of the few things I would like to have would be uh, a Wayfarer's Bauble, a Mystic Remora, a King Signet, a Thought Vessel, and a one card counterspell. Or one cast, uh, one CMC counterspell. So, uh, I do put in this card called Force of Fruition. Force Fruition. fruition. Yeah, Force Fruition. Not because fruition. of anything. This is just an example of what would you do if you have a 6 CMC spell in your hand. Obviously, put it in and get another card because you do not want this early on. It's not great for you. Well, technically, it will be great if you could um, if you can get your commander out and everybody will be friends with you mm. probably but I never got it out so mm. so put it in take out a new card and hey it's lightning griefs uh -huh. so this would be another good flow to have but it depends on what you really get so the, the, the mulligan style does play a part because if you're playing partial then yes you can you can have a wish list of okay I want to have this card, that card, and whatever card I can get. Yeah. True. But because of the official way is um, to London Mulligan, so you have to be really careful and adjust your deck accordingly. Yes. Well, from what I, from my perspective, there's actually no uh, correct way to mulligan. Mm -hmm. uh, mulliganing is just a random thing that you have to do. Uh, however, just remember to shuffle your deck properly and. Mm -hmm. Pray to the gods. <laughs> yeah, but still, it's one of those cases where you want to decide. It's like decision making. You need to decide what you really want to grab out of the deck. Like, I mean, this doesn't really have. Sorry, this is not exclusive to commander, but this can be carried over to all formats. Yes, correct. Um, okay, usually commander is a very casual format, so I wouldn't. I won't tell you to go and think competitively. However, if you are playing with friends and you say, oh, let's play a bit competitively then, I would say that when you are evaluating the cards in your hand, whether to mulligan or not in a partial mall, um, I would say think of reasons why you need that card in your hand. 
Okay, uh, except for Lance, think of the reasons why you would put that card in your hand and do you need it now or do you need it later? Is there enough information of you? Do you know your uh, what your friends are playing? Well, you can see the commander, so maybe you can think of what they might play. Mm -hmm. So that is what you need to remember. Remember to evaluate each card uh, carefully in order for you to know uh, whether or not you want to keep the card. It's true. And what, a good example here is, okay, uh, you got a few lands and you got to dig through time. This is uh, turn zero, by the way. So you take a look, see, dig through time is a really good card. It's a seven cost total? It's a nine, it's a seven cost, yes. Yeah, seven cost total with delve. Delve of... Delve, yes. Yeah, delve. So anyway, uh, you get to look at the top seven cards of your library and pick two and put them into your hand. Yes. And put the rest in the bottom library, if I understand? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that's a really good card. But in turn zero, it's kind of useless. You yes. don't have much to do because... You can't delve, you can't really cast it, so it's a dead hand. Yes. So what you want to do is put it back into the deck and get a new set of cards. This does work if you're playing partial, but yes. if you're playing in London, you still have to reconsider, okay, do I really need this card or not? And if you have what, let's just say land, 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 Mana rocks, mana rocks, and pay off uh, the extra time. Then yes, you can keep it because you have a lot of good ways to ramp into it. Like you can just cast it without even um, delving. Yeah. Well, actually, it really all depends on the scenario, as you said. And another thing about um, the difference between partial mulligan and land mulligan. Uh, when what the advice I made was for just for partial mulligan, which is to evaluate each card separately. For London mulligan, if you're London mulliganing in Commander, you need to evaluate your entire hand. Mm. You need to evaluate whether or not this will be useful in the in the early game. How what's your uh, what your early game play is, your mid game play is, whether or not you'll be able to draw the right cards for your late game. Do you have enough tutors? Do you, will you draw the tutors, or is your command is will you be able to cast your commander fast enough? You need to evaluate all the factors within um, what is in your hand, and think of whether or not you want to keep it. True, true. And the best tip I can give you is just like look at your hand, look at the lands, and look at your cards and where the CMCs at. If you're playing in a, let's just say, uh, you're playing in a mono-red deck, yeah, and uh, you have about 32 lands, because, well, mono-red doesn't really need a lot of lands. Some True. people say, uh, I, I personally say go to 35, that's, that's the borderline there. But let's just say you have 32 lands. Now, you have to remember that red decks in Commander are kind of hard to pay off. Yes, I can agree with that. They don't really have the stamina, as they say, unless you really built it in a way that has a lot of stamina. It really depends on the deck's playstyle. Mm -hmm. If, let's say, the deck's commander is Krenko, not boss, mm -hmm. it's basically what you know what Krenko does. It makes a bunch of uh, goblin tokens and tries to rush your opponent. Mm -hmm. So basically, you turn, you turn seven 
forty something the goblins, mm-hmm. probably. Probably, and then uh, what kind of style you're going through? Because if you're playing Kranko and if you're going to make uh, tiny one-one goblins uh, that comes in every turn, and then oh wait, you're going to play things like Impact Tremor, where every time when a creature comes in, it deals one. Yeah. Or if you're going to play the mill tactic, where you play with Altar of the Brood, where if a permanent comes in, you mill one. Yes. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways or there's a lot of uh, things to evaluate and see. Yes. But in this scenario, let's just say you're going for the I want to rush in and smash face tactic. So, earlier on, you're going to have uh, a few lands, probably f- three to four. Yes. And then uh, you need to have a lot of uh, one drops that can do something besides swinging face. Maybe mana producer or fetches or something like that. Maybe. Um, you also have to think of your deck's game plan mm-hmm. because there, you can have multiple game plans within one deck. So um, a few weeks ago or maybe a, last month, we had we did you uh, you did a interview with the shopkeeper mm-hmm. Adam right mm-hmm. so Adam's deck was all about uh, Kalia yeah so Kalia's uh, his deck had two themes first was aggro which is a uh, angel demon uh, aggro the second one was con- uh, stacks yes. which is basically what he he's stopping your uh, his opponents from doing whatever they want mm-hmm. so. Basically, he had whenever he has to draw, he has to evaluate it as well. So mm-hmm. he evaluates whether or not he should go aggro or whether or not he should play passively and go stacks. Mm-hmm. What you draw in your hand also determines how you you further your course of action. True, true. That's true. I mean, like last week when uh, we were looking at your deck, Wilson. Yes, we were talking about okay. Uh, your deck wants to push out. Uh, Mutani at a fast rate. So what do we do? What do we do? But yes. your deck is designed in a way where okay, if I don't get Mutani that turn, I do have other things that can help me achieve my goals. So uh, you you have your plan B's like uh, Jorel. Yes, Jorel allows me to um, play uh, turn my lands to uh, creatures and swing with them. So mm-hmm. basically, yes. I have a lot of lands that I have a lot of I have two game plans basically. Mm, and then you do also have Avenger of Zendikar, right? Yes, Avenger of Zendikar. So yeah, th- those kind of tactics are kind of there for you to well have a plan B. And in this scenario here, uh, look at your hand, decide where you want to lead in. Obviously, you want to pull out your commander if you can, but if you can't, you just have to think about okay. Do I want to pull out my commander now or later? Because if I do it now, what are the risks and rewards? So it's also based on your hand and also based on the board. So for my scenario with uh, my Nekusar, I am in the position where I have to pull out my commander. Yes. Because it, he is the engine that's uh, bringing things along. And he's the extra draw thing and whatnot. But I do also have other contingencies. Like Kami of the Moon, mm-hmm. so that allows everybody to draw another card on their draw step, and so on. So that helps with the draw mechanic. But the huge problem with my deck here is that I'm helping people get 
cards or get answers. So it's one of those things where are the is the board looking at you as a threat or as an ally? Yes. So that's also another thing where you have to consider there too. So yeah, awesomeness if they treat you as a friend. But if they don't, then you have to reconsider the game plan, game and so on. I mean, Nekusa is fun, but he is hard to maintain. Yes. How much? How many CMC you see? He is a five. He ah. is two and two and red, blue and yeah, red, blue and black. Okay. Yeah, I I can agree. I can understand why he's hard to maintain. But mm, you play blue. <laughs> yeah, true. But at the same time, too, you have to remember that they need to balance out the cards. Yeah. So I mean, like, what do you want to do? Uh, there is the uh, what? Uh, I think there is a another commander, um, Oloro. Uh, Oloro yes. is <laughs> Oloro is another commander. He is a six cost. He is a three and expert. That's white, blue, and black. His job is whenever he's on the battlefield. You gain one life. No, you can uh, at the beginning of each of your upkeep, you gain two life. Two life. Yes, two okay. life. And then at uh, whenever you gain life, you may pay uh, one one cut uh, one any generated mana. If you do, your opponent loses one life, and you draw a card. Mm -hmm. Each opponent loses one life. Then if uh, if it's in the command zone, you get to uh, at the beginning of each upkeep, you get you get two life. Yes. So Oloro there is kind of dumb. And you don't really need to pull him out because he does the job even when he's not on the battlefield. Yes. So, uh, real question: Why, why put him there at all? Because well, he gains us life. True, but also it's the deck that's doing the job. So Oluro is one of those commanders where he does nothing. He he's there just to fill in the color and just get that one uh, two life per turn. That's that's all. But. The deck there is the engine that creates the game. Like, you need to do this, you need to do that. Uh, I need to have this, I need to have that. Uh, one of the basic combos is uh, Sanguine Bond and Exquisite Blood. That is the automatically I win cards. Ah, yes. And then uh, you have to have other contingency just in case that go, goes away. So what will be your game plan? So probably I would go in for destroy the bot recur. I mean, there is a lot of ways to look at this. Or you could go for a probably expert artifact commander style. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Well, there are different ways to build Oloro, but it all really depends on the preferences of people. And yeah, the game, what you mulligan actually depends on what your deck wants to do. Mm -hmm. And maybe we will touch on deck building in another video, maybe. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think we should talk, touch it, touch on it right now. Yeah. I know. But um, bottom line is, what you mulligan depends on the playstyle you decide and what you draw, which is your luck. So really, luck plays in a very big factor in mulliganing. True, and also deck building as a strategy. I mean, an example of an idea that I saw Game Nights did was uh, Polymorphs. Mm. Polymorph is an interesting deck idea where I think there's no lower creature CMCs. They're all high. Yes. They have to be 
They have to be because you want to get value out of them. Yeah. And they make tokens so that they can set the tokens to bring them out, right? Yeah, so the idea is you need to bring big creatures in. So your deck's going to be filled with probably CMC4 or higher. Maybe Aldrazi. Yeah, probably. Who knows? So those one of those things where, okay, what do you look at your hand for? Do you mulligan this out and whatnot? But if you are running a, well, Cranko is one of them, but I think what? Um, probably an Elf Ball deck? Cranko? Mm, no, I mean another deck like Elf Ball, Mono Green, Elf and whatever. Uh, Freyalis. Yeah, so those kind of strategies, you want to have a lot of 1 CMCs to 3 just to build up your board with a lot of small creatures and dogs and whatnot. So, okay, that's another way to think about it. Okay, do I keep this card or do I not keep this card and so on. So, deck building is also part of the mulligan tactics. That's true. But, I think that deck building doesn't, um, it really depends if whether or not you see your uh, CEDH or not CEDH. Mm-hmm. Then it depends, uh, if you are really CEDH, then your deck building would be very different from casual uh, EDH players. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the way that uh, casual EDH players build is, Oh, this card's cool. I want to try it out, and I put it in the deck. Mm-hmm. For casual, uh, for competitive, there's a meta. Mm. So if people, they even have uh, my friend. He says he has a sideboard where he says, "On, oh, I really need to see who's the command my uh, my opponent's commander. Then I side the cards in. So it, and then he will side in those cards that really doesn't really counter them, but uh, really helps him with his game plans." Mm-hmm. Which and then he will try and put them in, try to mulligan until he gets it, even if he has the mulligan to four. Mm. And if he does, he just plays it, and he is a very aggressive mulliganing, a mulliganer. So he will try to mulligan until he gets that card. So uh, we need to highlight one of the rules uh, in Commander. There's no sideboard. Yes. But as your friend here, I'm, I'm guessing he's the type of guy who kind of okay. Uh, that was fun, but I want to win, so I'm gonna remove these five cards to put in my other five cards. So let's try again. Um, no? Whenever he's playing a competition, he, he will do that. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, in a C, because they have a weekly CE daily, mm-hmm. and they allow um, tweaking of the deck list as long as the commander is the same. Ah, uh, right. So uh, that's one of those scenarios there. But yes, uh, if like you mentioned for your friends an aggressive mulligan, yes. So. In standard or one of the known non singleton formats, yeah. uh, aggressive mulligan can work for you or can work in your benefit because you have more than one copy of a card. So you get a high chance to get the cards that you need to combo off or just get a hit in the game. Yes. Even if you're on four cards, which is kind of dangerous, by the way. Yeah. Um, however, if you're in. Um, CEDH usually they will go with the uh, London Mulligan the full Mulligan because um, of fairness mm-hmm. so and that's the format yeah and and here's the thing um, back in the days uh, Paris what? the Paris Mulligan no partial back in the days of partial uh, it's kind of a lazy deck idea yes or lazy deck building and the reason why is okay um, if you're playing a commander let's just say Ne, no, Narset. Artovius? No, uh, Narset. Master of. Which one? The, the, the Jeskai one? Yes, Jeskai Narset. Uh, Enlightened Master? Yeah, Enlightened Master. So, Narset, there, 
could you bring it up and retraceability, please? Sure. Right. So, uh, so what do you see? Uh, so Narset Atlanta Master is a tree and blue red green uh, blue red white is a tree two legendary human monk that has first strike and hexproof. And it says whenever a Narset Enlightened Master attacks, exile the top four cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-creature spells from among these cards without paying their mana cost. Alright. So in terms of competitive play or parceling, what you really need is uh, a, a Basalt Monolith. Yes. Uh, plains, Island, Forest. Sorry, uh, Plain, Island and Mountain. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Yeah, most That's about it. And then probably some counter spells just to be safe. And probably silence and so whatnot. But yes, that's about it. So you could mulligan aggressively to get those cards that you need. So you look at the, you look at the top seven, okay, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. I just keep what I really need, go in, look back again. Oh, I don't get it. I do go in, go back again, in, go back again until I get what I need. So, True. in terms of deck building strategy, you could have 30 lands and you still work. <laughs> because you already tutoring for what you really need. Yes. So, the partial was kind of a lazy, uh, what you call this? Deck building yeah, strategy. Deck building strategy. It, is, it kind of puts you in a spot where you don't really need to think. You just put in lands and okay, here are my engines that I need to go off. Mm. But now you have to be quote unquote creative with your build because you can't have 30 lands because you might not get those lands that True. you need. So yeah, you have to be creative with your build. So this is going on to the back deck building topic which we kind of don't want to. Yeah. But it, 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 it touched upon the mulligan stuff, so we'll just mention it a bit. Alright. But um, besides that Besides what, um, thinking about what you really want and need and predicting what you will play in your hand mm -hmm. and then the commanders and whatnot. What else do we need to cover? I don't think there's anything we can add on right now. Yeah, I think we kind of quote unquote covered everything because if we were to just talk again, they'll be just repeating the same thing. Yeah, and if we were to branch into the deck building, uh, it would be a whole other topic. Yeah, I mean... Deck building is a specific topic that I think we should delve deeper into and not just uh, sprinkle it in into yeah, a video. So yeah. there's psychology into it. Like what do you put in? What do you yes. put out? Do you put in this 10 cost uh, card or is it worth it or not? And so, I mean, there's yeah. so much to talk about. Yeah. And probably if we were to talk about it, Norman will go into the casual side while I go into the competitive side. Yeah. And that's a video you guys would, I think, would want to see. It could be a debate. <laughs> uh, I mean, it depends because yeah. combos and everything also. I mean, True. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's it for this for one. But the topic, uh, yeah. Let's head into another hot button topic, which is the little secret layer. Ah, uh, yes. So oh. I think uh, most people have heard about the new secret layer, mm -hmm. uh, secret layer extra life twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. um, now that the Dust has settled. The fi uh, the fires are still simmering. Mm -hmm. I think extra life is actually a very good. Um, oh yeah, very good secret layer. I, I totally agree. Um, okay, before we get into it, we have to 
talk about the cards that they're giving. And the cards are Teferi's Protection, Amulet of Vigor, Amulet of Vigor, Consecrated Sphinx, yes, and also Collect the Company. Collect the Company, yes. Uh, we got no idea what the fifth card is going to be. Uh, it could be a stained glass tin sort of, for all we know. Who knows? Yeah. But I think that the art is very gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I especially like the one where Teferi is holding his daughter with magic. Mm-hmm. That really shows um, very. That really shows him Teferi's um, father, uh, father figure. Yeah, and also the card is called Teferi's protection, so he's doing everything he can to protect his daughter. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 is already awesome in terms of lore. Yes, but no. Um, besides that, uh, all the cards there are expensive. Yes. Like the fairest protection by itself is already what eighty dollars. Yeah, eighty dollars. Consecrated Sphinx is already uh, sixty, thirty, something like that. Yes, around there. Yeah, and we have Vigor's fifteen. Yeah, um, the down foil version, but the foil version is around forty-five. Yeah, but like, like, I was shocked because I have a Amulet of Vigor oh, by chance. Know? Remember when I played with you? Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so it's like this is expensive. I didn't know that. I thought it was just like five bucks. <laughs> because I can take a mystery booster. Well, it's because it's a play in a uh, modern, modern and that's so why. Yep. And then, uh, what was it? Collect the company. company. Collect the Company is one of those cards that I feel is a bit head scratching because I came into that uh, format or into that block. So, looking at Collected Company is kind of strange for me to say, oh, this is good. Why? <laughs> okay. Uh, you have, let's not talk about Commander, let's mm-hmm. talk about Standard. Uh, or maybe Modern. Yeah. So. And sixty card formats. Mm-hmm. So, if it's sixty cards, you look at and you draw seven cards. So that means you only have like a six of a fifth of the deck left, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, four, uh, five, six of the decks left. If you cast collect the company on turn one, maybe through some miracle, mm-hmm. you're looking at the top. You're you're looking at a fifth of your deck already. Uh-huh. And to put two creatures onto the battlefield immediately, it doesn't say cast it. It doesn't say put it in your hand. You just Put, you just put it on the battlefield. So the reason why people play Conductor Company in modern is because there are a lot of cheap creatures that do combos. Mm, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, uh, all of the cards that we mentioned here are pricey. They're, yes. they're really pricey. They're really pricey. And for wizards to reprint them in this set yes. is really good on them. But here's the thing. Uh, with the recent debacle of the... Uh, TWD? Yeah, the walking... Dead. That one was at fifty dollars, and the extra life, extra life twenty twenty is sixty dollars. Where thirty dollars of it goes to charity. Yes. So essentially, you'll be paying thirty dollars, and thirty dollars is to charity. And yes. um, the professor recently did a video on where does the money go and whatnot, and he mentioned that wizard doesn't use your thirty dollars as their um, tax return for. Charity? No, 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 no. Uh, technically, they're forcing us to give $30 to charity while uh, $30 are for the cards. So, yeah, I mean, it's okay. I- I'm I'm tempted, but I don't have the cash for it. I do not really think they are... Well, okay. Consequences of things, uh, and Temperance Protection, and Emerald Rigor. Well, all recently reprinted um, in both Mystery Booster and Iconic Masters, mm-hmm. so they are more affordable. Of course, 
$60 it's a cheaper price to pay for these five four cards mm -hmm. but in my opinion it's okay for us who don't doesn't really have that much access to it mm -hmm. it's harder it's harder for us to get we won't really try to spend the money on it oh yeah I mean uh, but if you're American or European or Singaporean or Singaporean and you can get it at base base value which is $60 uh, I'd say go go for it. Yeah, but here's the thing. Remember that you're helping a good cause for this one. So thirty dollars will go to the extra life uh, charity charity uh, for the Seattle Children's Hospital. Yes. Um, fun fact: I participated in Extra Life a while back. Oh, when I did was a twenty-four hour game stream. Oh, when was it? Uh, that was what. Two or three years ago, what? Two thousand fourteen, I think. Uh, okay, okay. That was six years. Yeah, I, I, I do remember. <laughs> I love math, <laughs> but still, um, that was a fun experience. I spent countless nights and days playing a game that I really didn't like or what. I I, I played uh, Alan Wake. What? Yeah, Alan Wake on PC. That was fun. Okay. <laughs> that, that was fun, but um. I wish it was now because I could have played Among Us or Fall Guys mm -hmm. or Overwatch. Well, we can stream Among Us. Oh, yeah, true. But one of those things where I need to buy <laughs> No, no. Uh, this is the point. Um, yes. The point is, uh, if you do not want to work at Extra Life and ask people to donate for Extra Life, you could just buy this one and get four really awesome cards, not including whatever the hidden surprise card is going to be. Yep. Who knows? And to be honest, you're supporting the cause, you are getting fantastic cards at a good value, mm -hmm. and you can get um, much, you can resell them if you want to, but true. I choose, I would choose not to. It's very valuable. Okay. okay. Uh, They're all in foil. Yeah, true. Oh, that's the bad part. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the secret feature. Yeah. The secret layer. Mm -hmm. The secret feature of secret layer. Oh. And, yeah, the professor did a breakdown on everything, so I, I don't really need to uh, repeat what he says. Go check out his video. But in the end, it's up to you. Like, do you want to spend this much? Because, uh, like one of our friends says, uh, just ship it to Singapore and you could just... Get uh, it from Singapore. Yeah. If you're Malaysian. Yeah, but problem is the pandemic is kind of stopping everything. Yeah, but you can uh, ship. You can still ship. Yeah, but still the text will come in, then like, eh, yeah, that's so, uh, That's beside the point. Yes. But, uh, so if you're American, or if you're European, or Singaporean, whatever or... country that's listed in the thing. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome on you. You could try and get it that way. Try but... to get it, try to support Extra Life. You're doing a good cause. Mm -hmm. That's all. And even if you do not want to spend the 60 bucks on magic, you could just plop in 10 bucks just to support. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on to the next topic, and next topic is combo of the day. So combo of the day. Uh, I, I noticed I've been asking you a lot, so I'm gonna try and take over for a bit. So and Norman, what's the combo of the day? So I think <laughs> I mentioned this before, and that is sanguine born exquisite blood. Mm. I don't think we talk about this one yet, right? No. So okay, uh, sanguine born's ability is well, sanguine born is a enchantment. Enchantment for. Two blacks and three, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember the casting was a bit high. But anyway, uh, the ability is whenever you gain life, 
uh, can't get upon the loses that much yes. life. So that's that's been done everywhere, right? That ability has been done everywhere. Yeah, but you can use a cheaper version, mm-hmm. which is Veto. Uh, so, the task, uh, the uh, role, um, was it? I forgot. Or Veto. even the uh, Ozov creature. Or whenever you, the Ozov one, the two cost Ozov, uh, you have to pay something. And whenever you gain life, uh, each opponent loses life. Mm. amount, I think. But yeah, um, there's that too. Um, so, Sanguine Bond's ability has been done. Yes. But the one that's not been done ever, I think, yeah. is Exquisite Blood. Exquisite Blood is whenever opponent loses life, you gain that much life. Yes, it's a 4 and 1 black enchantment mm-hmm. that has never had another version of itself be reprinted. Yep, or it's never been, or the ability's never been copied yeah. to another thing ever. Yes, never. It, the closest we can think of is, I don't think we, there's, there's any. Yeah, there's, there's nothing close to it. Yeah, there's nothing close to it. It's a very, very unique yet very expensive card. Yeah. It's like a reserve list card. <laughs> Probably, but the thing is, um, funny story for this one, I got my copy while I was down in Australia uh, for vacationing. And back then, it was already expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, what, 20 Aussie dollars? Well, I, 20, think, 30 Aussie dollars? well I think because uh, Sanguine Bond was preprinted in quite early, I think. Probably before that, but still, it's one of those scenarios where, yeah, this combo is mean. This combo is mean. Uh, personally, for me, I like to use the um, what you call this. I, I like to use the exquisite blood sanguine bond combo because you have to have ten mana to execute this plan. Yeah, which is why I, if it were me, I would play the cheaper version, which is Vito exquisite blood. Oh, true. I mean, for me, I do it because I want to have a fair game. But if I were to just say, okay, I want to win at all costs, I'll just try and find the cheapest way to get it out. Yeah, but uh, to be to me, Vito is better because he's a creature and he can be stopped. But the stack... Oh, that's another topic for another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh. But I think that's all for combo today. Yep. So let us get into the next one, which is the end step. Yep, so ending here is... Okay, um, if you guys have any questions, concerns, or suggestions for the show, you can email at us at thegatewatchcast at gmail.com and also please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, YouTube don't forget to press the bell icon to stay up to date and also um, oh there's, there's, there's also something else no there's something else there's another show so anyway uh, links will be in the show notes go check it out and well if you have a suggestion for us do write it down in the comments below or email uh, we'll send it I will take a look see and we'll well respond because yeah. We like ideas. If you guys have any ideas for us for deck text, top 10 list, or discussion, or maybe debate, depending, yep. just give it to us. We'll take a look see and we'll do it. Sure. And if you have any friends who are interested in EDH, please share the video with them and please share, share uh, our video on any social media platform. Yep. We, the support is needed. Thank yes. you. So anyway, I have been Roman Sanzo. And I'm Wilson. We'll guys catch you next week with another fun episode of the Gate Watch, guys. Bye-bye. See ya.